0: Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Aaron Maurer, a.k.a. Coffee Chug. Welcome to episode 133. Today, this conversation, I get to speak with Jeff Utick. He is bringing zingers. He's bringing knowledge. He's dropping nuggets. He's challenging your thinking, and he's giving you the things needed to be able to survive during these times of a wonderful opportunity, through all the stress and anxiety I know, to rethink education. This is our disruption, as he says. It's our moment to now realize we've got a chance to progress the changes we've always wanted to make. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. This is a conversation I had with part of my putting out the fires and online teaching PD coursework. It, it, it's one of the learning pathways. And so if you're interested in learning more about that and hearing from the other guests, actually episodes 132, 131, and 130 are all part of that putting out the fires and online PD. So you can also check out the video. Uh, there is a whole PD coursework uh, of learning and, and launching and re- Reflecting in the challenges to apply what we're going to talk about today. So, enough of me talking. Let's get into the episode with the amazing Jeff Udick. <laughs> Here we are with another phenomenal learning opportunity for those of you in the Learning to Put Out Fires and Online Teaching um, PD course that we've been running in. And this is one that I'm, I'm super stoked about because I think as, as as we're already at the time of this recording, we're we're, we're a weekend. We've got other teachers and schools trying to figure out some of these things, and and for most people in Iowa, we are. We're we're four or five weeks into teaching already, so we're not to the point of let, let's spend all summer reflecting on how we're going to do it. We're now to a place where we're going. We actually like we have to like there there is no choice, and so um, lots of you are trying to figure out how to save your sanity, how to save your time, how to be more organized for yourself as well as for your students. And, and, and the guest for this show today is, is, is phenomenal. Um, he's doing work, not just uh, you know, here and there, but across the, the state of Washington and other places. And so really excited for, uh, for Jeff to join us and uh, to share some of those insights to help you kind of organize some of your thinking, kind of streamline some of your processes so you're, you're, you feel more effective as an educator with the end product of obviously students enhancing your learning. So um, I'm already getting ahead of myself, Jeff, let's, let's <laughs> take a step back. I'm already excited, I love it. Uh, I but love let's it. go ahead and just have you introduce yourself for those that, that don't know you. I'm sure many watching, yeah. you know, you, but let's go ahead and, and who are you and what do you do?
1: Awesome. So yeah. So my name is Jeff. Udick. I'm a independent uh, consultant uh, educator, you know, speaker, the whole nine yards as most of us are in these days, but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been an incredible ride. Uh, I, I'm here in Seattle which uh, is part of the story of how this all this happens. And just a quick background on even, you know, how I ended up being in a situation uh, that unfolded last spring. And it has uh, completely, uh, as we are, it's been awesome. Just an awesome ride here in the state of Washington. But really the background of this is, is this is the fourth time I've been in emergency distance learning. And I don't, I can't, I don't know very many other people that can say that. Uh, my wife and I taught internationally and our first international post was in saudi arabia in 2002 and due to terrorism in that country we actually went into emergency distance learning for about the last two months we had to graduate high school kids in, and then just—I want you to think about this. It's like 2003, so we're talking. We have flip phones. I'll say that—that's that, flip a, a phone, eye, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> flip phone. 56k dial-up modem in Moodle. Do you remember Ooh, Moodle? Oh, uh, yeah, we still you used know, Moodle, right?
0: Who remembers that's Moodle? It. It's, still it's still around. It's still around. I know.
1: And, and we graduated kids. That's the crazy part. Like we did it. And then my wife and I moved to Shanghai. and We're teaching at Shanghai American School. And due to SARS, SARS breaks out when we get to Shanghai. We ramp up again using Moodle. We ramp up and this is 2006, we ramp up, we get ready to close. We thought the Chinese government was gonna make us close. We ended up not closing, but we were ready. Like we were training teachers on doing videos and the whole nine yards. This is 2006, so still no iPhone. The iPod is out, so we were doing podcasting because the iPod was like all the rage, right? Yeah. Podcasting was huge, Uh, but we ended up not closing then. My wife and I then moved to Bangkok and then H1N1, uh, political unrest, and the worst flooding ever in downtown Bangkok happened, and we go virtual for about a month and a half. This is 2009, so now we've got, uh, we've got iPhones. We were already a one-to-one school. Every kid had a MacBook, uh, fourth through 12th grade. Uh, so we were one-to-one. Every kid had a public-facing blog, so we had a place for kids to publish their, publish their, their information. An incredible journey, right? And yeah. we were able to do it for just over a month. We were closed. Then, uh, because of that, in 2011, I was actually invited to the State Department in Washington, D.C., and I worked with senators and the State Department to create a virtual school for international schools because there were things happening, political unrest and stuff, and these international schools needed – and we're talking American kids, right? There's American yeah. kids living all over the place. And these international schools were closed, but the kids still – we still needed to get the kids that learning. And so we created, uh, working with the State Department, we created a virtual school system that any international school could plug into the moment they needed to. And uh, very exciting that part of that was used during this whole thing, especially in Asia. The other thing that that's allowed is we have to remember that Asia, especially like I'm talking like American international schools, Common Core American international schools were shut down from January. Mm. And very few American, very few districts actually reached out to their partners overseas and said what's working and what's not like they were four months they had stuff figured out that we were we thought we were the first to do it and we weren't (laughs) right and we just and luckily enough i still have people i know a lot of people that work out there i was working with the international school of luxembourg uh, when we shut down here in the state so i was out there supporting um in in europe when when things hit europe um but of course this is the crazy part i live in seattle and where's the outbreak in the yeah. in U S in Seattle, <laughs> you know? So the moral of the story is wherever Jeff lives, I, far say, far away, I right? see a common thread. Yeah, you see a common thread our, here. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm staying away, away from you. Whenever I see you. So, you're moving, yeah, I'm not going. Yeah. There. You don't, yeah. Don't, don't live wherever <laughs> I live. That's, I, I bring this up on me, but long story short, um, you know, uh, the state reaches out to me in April and says, can you support? And we created some trainings and, uh, to this, as of right now to the best of my ability I've lost count but it's over 10,000 educators across the state supporting over 177 school districts um and we are moving the state and it's been so fun you know when you get that kind of momentum and our whole idea was we call it reimagine washington ed and we can say reimagine iowa ed right like right. it doesn't matter like it's we have an opportunity are we taking like are we we have to understand that the system wasn't right and I think this is the where we have to begin it wasn't a perfect system before we closed down It wasn't, it wasn't working for every single kid. We actually had stories and I don't know if you do, but we had stories of some kids who actually graduated because of the pandemic. (laughs) These are kids who weren't showing up to regular school, all of a sudden had access and fulfilled their graduation requirements. So as we move into the new school year, we have to remember we have an entirely new skill set that is supporting some kids. And we have the school that was working for most of our kids. How do we bring those together and make school better for everyone? And yeah. to me right now, as we start the school year, really needs to be our focus, right? Yeah. How do we take the best of what we learned and move
0: that forward uh, to support us all? And I love that. I mean, this is why I'm so excited to have you on the show, because for me to create some PD or to create some training and, and, and even try to pretend to educators that I know the answers when I have zero background in it you know yeah i do some online stuff but nothing is in comparison to what we're facing in our realities where we are and and i think you you hit on a a couple key things i want to highlight and then and then gain your thoughts from that like one while it's new for many of us like there are people who have been doing this for quite some time and i'm not saying that in a way like where have you been that's not the point but to realize that there are stories there are people there are schools there are states and countries that that can help you jumpstart start that and i think hopefully yeah. now we're starting to realize like let's start to reach out and it's amazing someone like you that has those connections and now you're working with people to kind of continue to build that bridge uh, which i think is, is is really powerful and you hit on another key thing and, and you're like like the third person now the people we've been doing in these sessions that have brought this up that while it's stressful uh, while there's a lot on our plate and yes we have to be careful of burnout this is a great opportunity to really see things that need to improve I look at a lot of this as for all of us myself included even in, in what I do is a lot of us got sucker punched we we could kind of we kind of knew some things we knew to get better at but we we're able to kind of just move through it kind of put a bandaid on it and now all of a sudden man we just got a knockout punch and the things that we could convince ourselves was working in face-to-face. We're finding out in hybrid and online, just flat out don't work. And yeah. now what do we do? And it's not to say you were bad or you're wrong. It's here's a great opportunity now to strengthen those areas. Yeah, um, and, and I think, I, yeah, I think we were
1: feeling, we were already feeling this. There was this, there was this pressure that we were feeling in education. And I think part of it, like one of the things I keep saying is this is, this is our disruption. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a a lot of school, like your entire state, like we were going one-to-one, we're talking about using computers with kids, using technology, but we were stuck in a system that wasn't able to really utilize that to the best of its ability. And it wasn't, it was nobody's fault. We just, you know, and this is what I told our state legislators, like we leapfrogged about 10 years. Like we were already headed here. Yeah. We just know that education moves slow, right? And what this did is this is our disruption. Like the internet has disrupted so many industries. This was our disruption. All of a sudden, the internet is here. You have to do it. And so you have to learn to pivot. And when you learn to pivot, the thing that I've been talking about, especially with teachers, is we need to get to a different mindset. And our mindset right now, I love using that. I've been using a quote by the late Congressman John Lewis, right? And when he was fighting for civil rights in this country, his quote was, we need to choose progress over perfection. Mm. Educators, that's our mindset right now. There is nothing perfect about this. There is nothing perfect about hybrid. There's no perfect way to do a Zoom meeting. There's no perfect way to do anything. But can we choose progress over perfection? I love that. every day. We're going to learn a little something. We're going to take that. This is the largest action research project. If anybody's gotten their master's degree, <laughs> this is the largest action research project ever undertaken by education. And we need you need to have this almost excitement of oh my gosh, I tried that and it failed. But it was amazing. Look at everything I learned, right? And then we're gonna try it again. Yeah. You yeah. have to get to a mindset. Like, and I keep telling teachers, like we're eating humble pie right now. We're constantly going on with students about how you have to have a growth mindset. Guess who needs a growth mindset right now? Me. Because hmm. none of this is none of this is right. There's nothing perfect about it. So I'm yeah. gonna choose progress over perfection.
0: I and every day that. I'm
1: going to try something a little different.
0: So as, as you say that quote, you know, it, it, it fits perfect because I know some of the work you've been doing and some of it, I know it's been a lot of your work getting schools up up to speed is, you know, you've, you, you have uh, this, this, this format, this structure, maybe the better word for it, of called your, your core four. And I know you have yeah. a lot of resources and, and people can really dive deep into this more if they're interested but um i think as as you're talking about that that quote from john lewis that progress over perfection i think a lot of people now are we're we're a month in we're, we're five to six weeks in and i think we're finally giving ourselves the, the, the subtle pat out of the back going, okay, I don't have to be perfect because I don't have time for it. Even though I think that's where a lot of people were at the beginning. Yep. But they're still, they're, 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 still, they're swirling. They're, you yep. know, and, and and like you said, like, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go try some things and see what happens. But I think we're just, we're grabbing all over because there, there's the pressure on social media. You know, every tech company has something free for you to use. Of course. You no, know, yes. I'm saying this is great and, and this person <laughs> here is saying this is great and we're yep. all trying to help, but it, it becomes a, a huge soup of stuff. So Absolutely. could you... Kind of, you know, the 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 thirty second elevator pitch. Not, I you know that's yeah. not what it is of the core four because I think it's yeah. really helpful <laughs> the, um, for teachers to okay, okay, let's just scale this back and let me start here before I start grabbing all over the place.
1: Yeah. And so I've, I've shared with you and and you can share as, as listeners, you'll have access to this, but we actually have a worksheet we put together called the core four worksheet. And the core four are four tools that you must, and like all capital letters yelling at you must have in place for if you're in hybrid, if you're in full distance and get this, when you're back ready to quote unquote, regular school, the core four is going yeah. to have to be there, right? Like yeah. this, this core four is just part of what good teaching and learning looks like in 2020. And here are the four apps, right? There are four things you need. And these are the only four you start with. Now you talked about, you're a little bit of farther into the school year than we are here in the state of Washington. We're in about week three. Okay. I said you're week four or five or yep. right there somewhere. Yep. So you're a couple of weeks ahead of us, but this was, this was our, our heavy lift as a state was getting every district and I, and every district can be different. But you need to have a core four. And those four apps are, you need to have a home base. Now we call it a home base. This is also called your learning management system. I'm thinking Google Classroom, Schoology, yep. Microsoft Teams, Canvas, Blackboard, those, right? But I like calling it a home base for kids because kids don't know what LMS means. A home base is a place where every, we start every meeting. Right. Everything starts in your home base. I never email kids a link. I never email kids anything. I the only thing I email kids is go to your home base. Mm -hmm. Your work is right. We got it. That's a new this is like you go you go to class when the bell rings, right? You go to home base. I like that. So that's tool number one. For a lot of teachers, your district has probably already chosen that tool. Yes. So that's your home base. That's where everything starts. All right. The second tool you need to have then is somewhere where your content is stored. If you're a Google district, that's called Google Drive. If you're a Microsoft district, that's called Office One or Office 365, right? Or yeah. OneDrive. So you need to have that. That's that's the core. Now, what we found when last spring, and even into this, into this fall, what we found is most districts had those two tools in place. The tool, tool the two tools that were missing were the other two that become essential. One is your synchronous tool, right? Where are you having your synchronous meetings? We're thinking Zoom, Google Meets. Microsoft team meetings. Right. Um, that's kind of the three right now. Zoom yeah. in meets being the two. Right. So you need to have one of those. And then the fourth one is, and this is the one that most people forget about, is your asynchronous video tool to make instructional videos. And educators, if you are listening to this or watching this, that is your heavy lift. Yes. Our heavy lift, the skill we were missing as educators was understanding the power of instructional videos to a generation who's been raised on media and to understand that we as a society have already switched to learning through instructional videos. <laughs> it's called YouTube. And every time I talk to teachers, I say, share a YouTube video that you watch where you learn something new. And I have not found anybody, anybody in the world who hasn't learned something new by watching a YouTube video. And we have to understand we have a generation who knows how to learn through YouTube our heavy lift the one skill if you're looking for one thing to focus on educators it's how to make great instructional videos and you need to have a tool that allows you to do that now if you're using google tools i like screencastify yep it's free it only allows you for the free version you can only record more than five minutes and research says that you want your videos to be less than five minutes we can share we can dig into the research if you want right um it automatically saves to Google classroom. Like it's just a beautiful tool. Yeah, if you're a Microsoft really well. district, I like screencast-o-matic. If the other app that I'm finding very popular is Loom, L-O-O-M, the Loom app. Now you don't want all three. You need one. Pick one. Now where this really works, that's your core four, right? Home base, content organizer, synchronous video asynchronous instructional videos those are your four apps it's the only four you should have it's the only four you should be using through the month of october stop using everything else like stop it to your point aaron there's yes there's flipgrid i love it it's one of my top three schools i'm going to use it but not until october like get the rest of it out and the reason why we do this is it's not about you teachers it's about your kids and your families core four supports families and kids because families and parents can't keep track of the 50 million different tools. There's cahoots and there's quizzes with two Z's and quizzes with three Z's. And there's, I mean, there's all of these programs that parents don't want. they're, They're not to a place until your core four is totally solidified. You can't build a tower without a strong foundation and you have to have a core four in place. My goal is, is as a school, you have a core four, right? That as a district, if you can as a district have a core four that every teacher uses, you slow down the process and you support families at home, regardless if kids are in front of you or kids are at home. And the reason why we want to do that is because I need any fourth grader, because I was a fourth grade teacher. I need any fourth grader that if they are struggling with Google Classroom to know they can call any other fourth grader and know that kid's using Google Classroom too. Or I'm struggling getting into my my Meets, I know I can reach out to any other kid in my district and they're using Meets as well. If I'm a parent, I need to be able to know that if my kid's using Google Classroom, I can call any of my parent friends and they can help me. The problem is, is if we have too many tools, you break down the support at home which we critically need in a hybrid or distance learning situation
0: so it's yeah i mean as you're talking there to interject in one is if people watch this video yeah, my neck's gonna be sore. Cause I've just been sitting here going, "Uh huh, uh huh." Like I'm just—it's my silent amen. And I think it's—you know—as as you're talking about about that, going back to the core four. And one of the things for people in this PD is as as, as we've begun to explore other tools, I want to make sure that that something is really clear here as well, uh, because what you're sharing, Jeff, is is something that I think is 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 utmost important but yeah even in in this PD series while we are exploring some other tools the goal here is for you to be learning those on the back end not to you know we're, we're spending just so you know Jeff some time looking at uh, um, Flipgrid yeah, in, in Flipgrid. the needs of like assessment and, and documentation yep. we're, we're looking at Wakelet for collaboration and resource and we're looking um, at Pear Deck for some engagement integration but we're doing that in the lens of not learn it now and then use it tomorrow It's it's learn it now so when your kids are ready and you're That's ready right. You, you know, it's, it's, it's not another thing on top of the plate. You're, you're kind right. of building that in, in the backdrop. So I just wanted to make sure that I build that bridge there. So people go on, well, Jeff's saying just to core forward, but yeah, in yep. this PD we're looking, no, it's, it's, it's designed to also sprinkle the seeds. So when you're ready for that next step, you're ready to, to, to rock and roll. Um, yeah. And
1: right now yeah. we need to be focused on creating habits. And those habits are like you, I love everything you mentioned. I love those apps. We're going to use those apps, right? And I love that your approach, right? Like, yes, you need to start learning these apps, what they can do, how you're going to set them up because at some point you're going to want to use Flipgrid, but I first need to train students in knowing how do I get to my Google classroom? Where are all of the links to my resources before I ever worry about putting a link to the Flipgrid to create the video? Yeah. Right. You have to have that. And I think one of the things, that, and I'm hearing this, like I was just yesterday with about 3,000 teachers. And the number one thing I'm hearing from teachers right now is like, I'm spending a lot of time teaching kids the technology. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. You're going to have to slow it down. But here, th- let's remember this. When you start the school year, you do the same thing. You show kids, that's the basket over there where we turn in our papers. Over there is where you put your binder on the wall. This poster on the wall means this. We spend weeks building community, taking kids on a tour of our classroom. How many times in your traditional classroom did you still have to remind kids, the paper goes over there, the paper goes over there, the paper, like nothing's changed. You're still going to be for the first five, six weeks of school, still telling kids, the paper's over there, the paper's over there. They don't know how we give, we think kids know how to learn with technology. They don't. They know how to do Instagram. They know how to play Minecraft. They don't know how to learn with this, and we're going to have to teach them how to do that.
0: Yeah, there's, there's new routines, and there's one of the things that we've been I've been working on with through the AEA is some of the stuff of helping students understand like what the term student means like we have to redefine it um, because to be a student now is, is is very different the goals are the same but like i look at my own children like like my kids knew like in five days of face-to-face they understood the interaction they understood how to raise a hand they understood like when to speak when not to speak now where they chose to you know be all right. the direct to the rules yeah. but they right. understood the structures um, and now here we are whether you're your hybrid or you're completely online um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's really easy to overlook because there's so much on our, on our brain to go like, what does it look like for a kid to raise their hand in a call? What does it look like for a kid to raise their hand um, when we're not in a live session? Right. Uh, what does that look like for interaction? you know is that are, are we doing that you know um, through through text and where does that go where are these places and so then teaching those routines and, and I think some teachers are still trying to figure out even for themselves yeah. what that is but I think it's you hit on a very critical point that um, while we're trying to figure ourselves out of what it means for educators regardless of our role in education we also have to spend time to explicitly teach that with students because I see now what's happening as, as, as I hear you know emails or phone calls from teachers from all over um in, in our areas like the, the kids aren't engaged they're, they're not getting on the call they're not you know maybe they're not showing their video maybe they're not they're not showing up and and you know we look at it like it's like but but what what routines have you helped them build like do they even know how to are we just assuming you know and yeah. i know some teachers a lot of teachers have, have put those things in place but right there's a but this is a good opportunity to stop and go well how did, did i actually even teach them you know, yeah. or, or did well, I just say I think, it goes here?
1: I think there are two. I think there's a couple things that we found, you know, and we were talking about this like last spring and, you know, like we here in the state of Washington, we shut down March 17th. Like yeah. it's a date I'll remember forever. Right. Um, every, every kid went virtual on March 17th. And one of the things we found last spring that we're still finding now is there was a hole and the hole in the educational system that we found was we were doing a really good job of teaching kids how to follow direction. We were doing a really poor job of teaching kids how to learn. And what school does is school was teaching you how to follow directions. It's called a bell schedule. We tell you when to get on the bus, when to get off the bus. We tell you when to go to first. We tell you when you can eat lunch, right? Kids get really good at following directions. All of a sudden you're in a distance or hybrid where you're doing a lot of your learning without the boss standing in front of you. That's what this is. Yeah. How do you work when the boss isn't standing right in front of you and our kids do not have the skills, nor did we teach them how to do work with, out the boss standing in front of you, so we are going to have to retrain. How do you work when the boss isn't in front of you? And the reason why I keep saying the boss and not the teacher is because a, mo- a recent survey came out at the end of July, where they pooled leaders of companies from around the United States. Eighty-two percent of them said that working from home will be permanent even after after this is all over. of those leaders said, this is the way business will always be 50%. That's almost 50% of businesses are not going back into office buildings. We have to train it. It switched on us. It changed in the moment. We are now training a new kid. If our job in public education is to prepare kids for college career and life, colleges just did away with SAT as an entrance exam. Yeah. Career. You need to know how to work at home when the boss isn't standing in front of you. That's what we're preparing kids for now. And that's forever. Here, here in the state of Washington, one of our big ones was, we have a company called REI. I don't know if you know REI. They make outdoor equipment. Yep. They built a brand new, beautiful campus. They were ready to move into it in May. They just sold it. They never moved into it. They sold it and said, we are ever for permanently working from home.
0: Yeah, and that's why I was just pulling up as you were talking, it reminded me of, of Pinterest. Just paid almost 90 million to break their lease on their building. Like, So, I mean, just if, if you follow the headlines, you know, everything you're saying, Jeff, Like, just watch what, like, these aren't like, like like the local small shops here and there that have just been struggling for just a lot of reasons. These are the big companies that are going, you know, I think like even Microsoft, uh, a majority of those people, I think, are just forever going to be remote. Like, yep. that, that remote work is is there, you know, I mean, So the,
1: So the question we have to ask ourselves as educators are what are those skills that kids need to have to know how to work when the boss isn't standing right in front of you? Number one skill, and here's one that I found, this idea of time management. We talk a lot about time management, and I was the kid, if you remember in the 80s, we got the computer printout, dot matrix printer printout that said needs to use time wisely in (laughs) class. I don't remember anybody... Showing me how to use my time wisely. I was just told to use my time wisely We need to stop telling kids and start showing kids the number one thing that we have started doing across the state of Washington We start every zoom meeting having kids open up this incredible app on your phone. It's an amazing app It comes free on every phone. It's called a calendar and we are having kids calendar in when you were babysitting your younger brother and sister Calendar in when you have a work schedule, calendar in, calendar in. Okay. You got all your calendar. Awesome. I'm your ELA teacher. I need three hours from you this week and I need them in 20 minute chunks because research shows the best human, the best human, not a teenager, the best human can only focus for about 20 minutes at a time. So I need three hours from you this week, but I want you in 20 minute chunks, put that into your calendar. And then the kid goes to math and the math teacher says, open up your calendar you got your babysitting duties in there or do you remain sure your brother and sister got lunch because i know mom and dad are working right a lot of essential workers okay awesome i need two hours from you this week in 20 minute chunks put that in your calendar and all of a sudden the kids are like well i can't sleep until 10. you're right you can't you gotta get up at eight you yeah. can't fit your time in right or what we're finding here in the state is very fascinating I don't know if if you are finding this, but we are finding that we are having the most success with elementary kids early in the morning, some are doing our synchronous meeting, our Zoom or Google Meets between 8 and 10 a.m., our middle school kids between 10 and 12, and our high school kids between one and three. We are seeing very little engagement from high school kids before
0: noon. And it it's makes happier. sense. This can be a lot connected to the brain, right? I mean, I. Yes. Uh, I mean, I've this read stuff. Tr- I'm not an expert on it, but it's all about the, like, like, like research. circadian rhythms, yes. and sleep patterns that are just the brain. And is the just,
1: research has been out forever. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you're learning. You're learning distance learning. Of course, you're going to sleep in. I mean, it's one of the reasons why people work from
0: home. Yeah.
1: Right? And high school kids. And what we're seeing in this state, and I can only speak for our state, and again, we've got a lot of data—over 10,000 teachers, 177 districts—we are seeing the high school kids are doing work between one and eight p.m.
0: We're seeing elementary kids do work between. My son, right now, yeah. I mean, he's he's. uh, I try to get him up to keep a routine. Whether not not at, at, at the butt cracker down, but you know, and it takes them, it's, it's usually right around like the lunchtime for him. I, and as you're talking, I'm just sitting there going, it's so true. Like this morning, right before this call, I was with my youngest and, and I know with her, it's, you know, we got our checkpoints. It's, and it is the morning we hammer out the things that I know are going to be the, the one where she's going to need me the most, me the I can most, squeeze yeah. that time and to work around my work and yep. the other things where she'd be a little bit more independent, you know, we yep. can kind of move that to when she's ready, but that's usually later in the day when the energy like she's ready to be done, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah. So it's, it's I have anecdotal uh, proof to, to your research. Yeah. Yes. I've got three yeah, that are lining up.
1: And, and the other part of this that I think becomes really important that I want to make sure that we touch on is the use of those two videos, right? As part of our core four, you have two different ways that we're going to use this. We have our synchronous Google meets or yep. zoom, and we have our instructional media our instructional videos, asynchronous videos. This is your screencastify. This is your heavy lift. Here's what the research will show you. And I would, I've been asking people to find me research that counterdicts exact all the only research I can find. The only research I can find shows that you should do no new content over a zoom or Google meet live teaching over zoom or Google meet does not actually lead to any growth. It leads to no learning. You can, find, you can go look, look through Google Scholar. I'm constantly looking through Google Scholar. The most I can find is research done at university level shows very little growth in any learning over a synchronous meeting. And that is really interesting because college university students have a whole other reason to show up. It's called money and you're paying for it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there is no research that shows doing any new content over a Zoom meeting or Google Meet shows any growth in learning. That's number one. Number two, the research, and I'll share it with you so you can put the link in there. Yeah, the research that we've been using has come out of Vanderbilt and it, it, it's been out since 2015. And I'll share it to you here so you can give it out to people. Um, but the research from Vanderbilt shows that instructional videos work. This is also called YouTube, <laughs> but we all know it. And the research that Vanderbilt University did in 2015 is built on research from others before them. The research is out there. This is forever more. Our job as teachers is going to be creating instructional videos. They work incredibly from a distance, but they are even more powerful when kids are in front of you. And this is what we have to be thinking about. So we want our new content to be in instructional videos. And the research that I shared with you, please click on that link in the show notes. Yeah. It actually walks you through what needs to be in that video in order for learning to occur. There's a couple things. Number one, and you already know what they are because you all watch YouTube videos. Number one, must be less than five minutes. And the research shows if you need to be longer than five minutes, you break your video into smaller chunks.
0: Which is why Screencastify is good on the free account yes. because it's automatically built in. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? And so if it's
1: going to be longer than five minutes, we're going to break it into two or three, three to four minute videos. Right? That's number one. Number two, what we're telling teachers is your face has to be on the screen. Yes. The research will say you can go use Khan Academy and you will actually see growth and learning but the research is overwhelming, that if that teacher makes videos for that kid or that class, we see learning increase by twofold. Mm. It's incredible because what you've done when you create an instructional video is you have turned the pace of learning over to the learner. And I just, Aaron, I want you to think about this. Like the best teachers among us, when you're ready to teach, what percentage of your kids are ready to learn? Like, how many of us stood in front of the whiteboard saying, Billy, Billy, uh, Pate, Billy, Susie, stop talking to Sally. Pate, I'm ready to teach. Are you like, I know you're not ready to, Billy, put down the pencil. You need, right? And we waste, we're ready to teach when kids aren't ready to learn. But when you make an instructional video, that student is ready to learn the moment they decide to hit play. They are saying, I'm ready to learn now. I'm going to hit play. And here's the other cool part you make an instructional video. Kids can watch you 10 times if they need to. And you know, those are the same kids that in your live classroom are not going to ask you to repeat yourself 10 times. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden we have individualized instruction for every kid. And this is why they work when kids are in front of you as well.
0: Yeah. Right? So, so, so Jeff, let me ask you this in this, I'm gonna ask this question also knowing that this could probably end up being an, an entire workshop in itself and I, and I, so I I'm prefacing that that this is a, a big question so you're, you're sharing this stuff and and it's phenomenal. I'm looking at, I was watching a, a, a webinar on Istio. I'll have to find it and share it too. And they're just talking about like general YouTube stats and the average um, viewer will, will stay engaged with the video for like two and a half minutes. Even though we know five or six minutes is, is a threshold of what you should make. And so then I looked at my YouTube channel. I'm not a YouTube celebrity, but I've, I do, I do attract like hundreds of thousands of hours in a year. So I have enough where I think it's, and, and I'm at two Oh six. So I was like, this, all, all this stuff is lining up, but here's where my question to you is. So teachers are listening. They're going, oh my gosh, okay, um, I've kind of heard this. Now, Jeff is, is, is hitting me with the research. We're, you're working with 10,000 plus teachers. We know the video should be five minutes. We need to kind of chunk it down. Um, I, I still think, it. okay, they, they wrap their head around that. Yeah. And they still don't know where to begin because they've never maybe had to think about their classroom that way. I know we talk about movements and shifts within a, a, yeah. a, a class period. And I know, like I said, that's a whole workshop. But what have you been finding at least I'm thinking like 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 beginner steps for people to to frame their brain around it. We've, as you've been working with teachers and hearing those stories, a teachers listening, they're going, OK, Jeff, you've you've hooked me. I need to rethink my approach. I'm going to try my next lesson. How do they start? Like what, like, what, what, are some things, some tips for for them to 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 think about? Okay, so step number one,
1: you're gonna go install Screencastify into Chrome, or you're gonna go download or use Screencast-O-Matic, Step yep. one, like, go go find that. That's step one. Step two, you're gonna pour yourself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. I call it cup of coffee PD. Right, I got it cup right of there. coffee there PD. <laughs> you're gonna pour yourself a cup of coffee of, of a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. You're going to go to this incredible website called YouTube and you're going to search for Screencastify in the third grade classroom, Screencastify in the math classroom, whatever you teach, cup of coffee. And in one cup of coffee, you will understand how Screencastify works. That's step one. Step two, you're now going to make your instructional video. And there are three things that must be in your instructional video, right? And this is all based in the Vanderbilt research. You can go in and look at it. Number one, we call them one take videos there is no editing allowed. Because what we find is when teachers start editing, they edit out all the mistakes. And it's the mistakes that make you you. When you're teaching in front of your class and you make a mistake, you just use your hand on the whiteboard and you just erase it. And you just keep teaching. Same thing happens in your videos. Kids need to see your face. And if you make mistakes, you're going to keep going. All right. And you're going to be and, and the reason why your face has to be on the screen is because we know that communication, 90% of it is facial expression. So your face has to be there for your kids on the screen and Screencast-O-Matic, Screencastify, they both allow that to happen, right? So your face on the screen, one take video, no editing allowed, right? The key, those are key pieces. The third piece of that is once you start making your instructional video, you understand that just because kids are watching a five minute video I want to chunk this down where kids are working along with me. And when the kids are working along with me, I can actually make a five minute video that has kids actually engaged in work for about 30 minutes. Because what I'm going to do in my instructional video, and here's exactly how I would do it, right? I would say, hi class, how are you today? Hey, today we're going to be doing uh, math where we're going to be uh, multiplying two digit numbers by two two digit numbers. So what I need you to do is grab a pencil, grab a piece of paper and grab a marker. I need you to go do that right now. So pause your video and go get your supplies. Awesome. Now you've got your supplies. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to write down 20, the number 22. So write down the number 22 times the number 34. All right. Pause the video until you've done that. And you are going to do this five-minute video where you're actually going to tell kids to pause and work with you. So I'm going to be doing a five-minute video, but I'm going to, just like I did there, I just pause for a second and then I go on. And it gives kids enough time to hit pause, do what the teacher tells them to do. So we are teaching kindergartners to read through instructional videos. We are teaching kids how to do math through instructional videos, right? Those are your three things. Your face has to be on the screen. You're not allowed to edit. And you're going to tell kids to pause and do, pause and do just like you would if you were in front of the whiteboard and your school.
0: I love it. Jeff, it's so good. And I actually think to be respectful of your time, I think that is uh the the, the perfect challenge really to to end this conversation on is we've got we got two challenges through through this conversation. One, uh, we're gonna Jeff has been kind enough to give us access to the, the, the core four um, digital worksheet. It's a Google slide. You can go in and, and, and learn to identify this, go through and identify, do you have the core four figured out and do that for yourself as an educator, but then, you know, use that as, as a conversation, maybe with, with your coaches or your admin yes, teams of absolutely. how do we make this happen? Where maybe it's universal for our building, our district, you know, every, every local thing is different. So I cannot tell you how to do that. The ideal thing is just like you said, keep it universal for, for the parents and the kids and educators and just everyone that needs, You know, and challenge number two, you know, is, you know, the YouTube coffee and and then getting into doing your one take and I think just practicing doing that, that's going to require for a lot of people vulnerability uh, to do the one take that is going to be a a big deep breath for some people who you know um, that is that is really scary and to just be okay with the mistakes um, you know and I think as you 're talking, just remembering that when we 're in the classroom, we make mistakes all the time, and we probably don 't even notice that we do it you know and yeah, and so, so here 's an opportunity. Not everybody likes to see themselves on video or audio, but you know all the research you're showing is you know, yeah. we, we've got to make it work. And, and the more well, you do it, the more comfortable you get. Yeah. And
1: nobody likes to see themselves on video or audio, but too bad. This isn't about yeah. you, teachers. It's about yeah. your kids. Yep. Absolutely. And they had to look at you anyway and listen to <laughs> you anyway. So get over yourself.
0: I love it. Jeff, this has been, this has been so great. Um, you've got so much phenomenal work and I'll definitely get the resources on, on, on the PD site and in the show notes for everyone to go and check out. But it, it's always good to ask if people want to learn more about you, if this is the first time hearing about all the work you're doing and, and they want to learn more, they want to dive in. I know you've got lots of things happening for, for people to get engaged and go deeper in your work and the stuff you're developing. Where can they go?
1: Yeah, so out of all of this, we ended up uh, starting a website called Shifting Schools. So you can go to shiftingschools.com. I'd highly encourage you that if you go there, that you sign up for our newsletter. We are giving away free PDFs almost once a week. So we have a whole PDF around uh, feedback frames to use during Zoom meetings. We have another free PDF around brain boosters. You can find all of those on our Twitter account, which is at shiftingschools.com. Uh, if you go check our Twitter, they're all free PDFs that we, and we're giving stuff away all the time. We also have our courses. We call them our Reimagining courses or our shifting school courses. We're getting ready to start some, I don't know when this is going to go out, but on yep. September 21st is our next round of, um, of trainings. Um, we've already got about 600 teachers signed up here in the state of Washington to go through these again. Um, right now we're calling them our 2.0 cause our 1.0 training was like preschool starting and we're in the school. So now it's <laughs> 2.0. We're, we're talking about creating pathways that work research-based pathways that work um we're talking about creating waypoints and wayfinding uh we we touch on assessment we touch on feedback we talk about how do you grade from a distance Uh, all of that is in in these trainings and we meet once a week over zoom and then you have access to these asynchronous modules that you get to work through on your own as well yeah Um, there's also the podcast shifting our schools we do a free webinar every thursday 4 p.m uh uh, Seattle time here, uh, that then is released as a podcast. So if you can't join us live, which is always awesome, about 300 educators join us live. Um, and then it was released as a podcast for your podcast listener, check out, uh, shifting our schools. You'll get all of our free webinars, what we've been doing, uh, and other stuff. So yeah, Yeah, I'm 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 out there. Yeah. Google I Jeff it. Yiddick, you'll find out. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get, it, we'll get it. all linked and I
0: know like the, the podcast I can vouch for. It's what I listen to in my morning walks. I know when you have the webinars and when they go live, it's it's always my uh, my perfect walk routine and just awesome. So many wonderful things. So Jeff, this has been phenomenal. Thanks for, for helping get us yeah. going, get, getting us some, some new thinking points and then you know, really working on how to get started and obviously all the work you're doing for so many. It's a great opportunity for anybody that's part of, you know, this particular PD yeah. to, to dive into some further yeah, learning. Love it. Um, if if they find out this is really what i need and that, that that's what it's yeah. all about so
1: well thank you for all the great work you're doing there too you know yeah. we're all just doing the best we can to support as many as we can
0: that's all we can do right yeah so, and just keep nudging it and, and moving forward so thank you again for all your time yeah no worries